Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star. Thank you for listening to the 17th episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. I think you guys are really going to like the show this week. We've got questions about Bobby Witt Jr., baseball in general, the challenge of NFL coaches filling out rosters without a full preseason, and Charvarius Ward joins us to answer a question I know a lot of Chiefs fans have been wondering about all offseason, about whether he got his horrible eyesight fixed. But we're going to start with a broader view on sports. Uh, <laughs> depending on when you're listening to this, I'm either on my way to Cleveland, I'm in Cleveland, or I'm eventually making my way back from Cleveland for the Royals 2020 opening day game against the Indians. I got to be honest, um, I have mixed feelings. I am desperate for live, real, competitive, unscripted sports. Baseball is personal too. And, you know, one of the highlights of my week was my six year old's reaction the other night when I told him the Royals were on TV. I mean, it was just, I haven't said that in so long. He hasn't heard that in so long. His, his shoulders straightened, he got taller, he ran right over to me. Uh, we sat and watched four or five innings up until bedtime, him asking me questions the whole time. It, it, it was amazing. I love that. I also, I, I want to see all the nerdy baseball stuff, right? Like I want to see Brady Singer and Jackson Coward and eventually Bobby Witt Jr. in the big leagues. Uh, you know, Sal Perez's pop time, Mondesi making all play in the hole, Alex Gordon at the warning track, Josh Stomont's fastball. I want to see whether Franchi Cordero's luck will be any better here than it was with the Padres. You know, I also miss the superficial stuff. You know, the walk-up songs, the organ, the fountains, the stories, the home runs, the wipeout sliders. Like, I, I recognize how biased I am because of how I feed my family, right? But I have this job because I love sports. And, you know, my life will be better with baseball and eventually football back. And <laughs> I say that you probably have to feel the same way for that to make sense, right? But, you know, it's also true that nothing is normal here. Most obviously, like, no fans. Um, and even if that changes someday... At least without a vaccine, the the you know the interactions between fans and players, and even fans with other fans, it's just going to be so different. Coaches and some players wear masks in the dugout. Uh, you know, personal interactions come with like elbow taps or Zoom calls or whatever. You know, look like there's an argument to be made that this is crazy, um, that we're not following the science or even the logic. Uh, that starting sports as cases surge in a pandemic is patently insane and even reckless. I get it. You know, Greg Doyle, the spectacular sports columnist for the Indianapolis Star, he wrote a column this week that he posted on Twitter with the following message. If we're going to need more sports, we're going to need more body bags. <laughs> That's pretty damn heavy, right? Like, uh, you know, you, you've heard me say before, I hope, that, you know, we're all guessing on this. And I understand the tendency to be cautious. There isn't a lot to lose through diligence. Um, you know, this is the first time that I've left Kansas City since before the world shut down. Um, you know, I don't feel awesome about it, uh, particularly the flying and the hotel. Uh, I'd originally planned on driving, but, you know, as it happens, we have a family thing planned to uh, see some relatives next week and the timing just wasn't going to work. So I don't know. Am I being safe? Uh, reckless? I've thought about that. Is this stupid to do? Am I paranoid to think I can't do this safely with the proper precautions? I don't know. I don't have a definitive answer. Um, I want to be there for this game. I realize that, you know, technically I could write this from home. I could sit on the couch in front of the TV and log in for the Zoom calls. But I feel like this job is, is often about being there to see what can't be seen on TV, right? To observe, to notice, then ask questions based on what you see and feel. I don't know that there's been an opening day in my lifetime with more to see and feel than this one. 
I got this job before I was ready to have it, if I'm honest. And the way that I tried to make up for that is to sort of be the kind of sports columnist that I'd want to read if I had like a normal job, a regular job. And if I had a regular job and, you know, <laughs> one that could require me to work right now and who knows, maybe even travel. Right. Um, but I'd want to read what that first game without fans was like from the inside. I know it's a privilege to have the choice too. Uh, I want to be conscious about that and keep myself reminded on that. Uh, I'm thrilled with that choice, by the way, not just from my bosses being okay either way, but just, you know, the fact that sports are happening. So look, I, I get the hesitation. I really do. Cases are up in a lot of places, including Kansas City. But I also know it's unrealistic to expect everyone to shut down their lives forever. We need to live. Uh, you know, that shouldn't include concerts right now or art fairs or, you know, even crowds at games. But it should be able to include a lot of other jobs, particularly as the messaging and acceptance of mass improves. You know, like I think about it like this. My dad is in his 70s. Uh, I certainly don't want him doing everything I do. Uh, I'd scream at him if he was getting on a plane this week, for instance. But I think generally speaking, I think it's up to those of us who aren't inherently high risk to take this seriously and be careful, but also live our lives and do our jobs. I, I keep making this point because I keep believing that it's really relevant. Uh, this is not binary. Like you don't have to choose between staying in bed all day and going to a crowded bar. Like there's this huge middle ground between the extremes and there's a growing number of us making our way in that space. So I don't know, like Sporting Kansas City is making its way through the MLS's back tournament. The Chiefs are gearing up for some form of training camp. Season opener still scheduled for September 10th against the Texans at Arrowhead. And, you know, now the Royals are playing actual games that count in the standings. They're in, <laughs> they're in first place, right? Um, I, look, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this. Um, I need it. Uh, a lot of you feel the same way. I know that. Um, I just hope that we can remember to enjoy it responsibly, right? Um, okay, we're going to go for a quick break, and then we're going to answer some questions. Uh, here's the weekly reminder. If you'd like to participate in next week's show, and I would love for you to participate, uh, please call 816-234-4365. One more time, 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Uh, we're starting to get some momentum with the questions coming in, which is really cool for me to see. So thank you. Uh, the number one more time, 816-234-4365. Put it in your phone. Call anytime, 816-234-4365. All right, a uh, quick break, and then we'll get to this week's questions. Hey Sam, my name is Jack, I'm from Overland Park, and my question is, what are the chances that Bobby Witt makes the opening day roster? It's quite clear that he's worlds better than Michael Franco, and he's probably better than about every player on our team besides Solaire at the dish, so thank you and answer my question. Uh, we talked a little bit about this in a column that posted late yesterday afternoon. Um, obviously, I hope you check it out, KansasCity.com. It's a hell of a situation, right? Like, <laughs> Witt Jr. has, at times, he's been the best player on the field. Uh, he has five tools. They all shine. Royal scouts have watched him play since he was 14, and he is now 
basically what they hoped he would become. You know, the ceiling is high and the floor is too. And then, you know, you add to it, Hunter Dozier test positive. That's that's a roster spot, right? Like you probably saw by now that the Royals are going with Franchi Cordero there. And, you know, that guy has some outrageous physical tools of his own. But I'm told that Witt Jr. was not a major part of the discussion there. Uh, he's going to stay down all season. That's the plan. And I see this as more than just like caution. The guy has not seen a pitch in class A, for crying out loud. You know, I think we all understand that normal has been blown to bits, right? And and Witt Jr. is a good example. The only thing, his reference page lists is stats from 37 games of rookie ball last year. But he's also been wearing out Danny Duffy this summer, and Duffy is an established big leaguer. The Royals wanted Witt to have a full season in the minors before they even thought about promoting him. But, you know, guess what, right? Like, nobody's getting a full 2020 in the minors. So, you know, now I think the the plan becomes, all right, so keep him down, let him practice, play against, you know, have these plate appearances and, you know, kind of off to the side against guys who are more established than he is, at least. And then big league camp in the spring, an opening day assignment, probably class A, maybe double A. And then, you know, he's got the potential to be a fast mover after that. You know, it's like, it's such a weird time, like for baseball and everywhere else. So it's easy to forget how small a sample we're looking at, right? And how removed from actual big league baseball the summer camp is. You know, Witt Jr., he turned 20 last month, right? Like he's got time. So uh, the Royals are going to use that to their advantage. Okay, uh, here's Bob cutting right to the chase about baseball. Hello, Sam. This is Bob Fowler. Uh, just uh, had a question for your podcast on how long, what's your over-under is for uh, how long this baseball experiment lasts. Have a good day. <laughs> so, right, I don't know. Um, I don't think anybody does. But, uh, you know, the positive tests come in every day, right? And the Royals either lead the league in cases or they're close to it, and that's a problem. Um Look, like this whole season is being played on a tightrope. And so far it's been manageable. And, you know, thank goodness the players who caught COVID have mostly reported no or mild symptoms. You know, Freddie Freeman, the Brave Star, like he's a notable exception to that, right? Like you may have seen where he said he had a 104 degree temperature and was and was praying for his life. But the sport is moving on. And, you know, it's, again, on a tightrope and it's been manageable so far. But this is the easy part. Like teams haven't been traveling. They haven't been playing against each other. You know, the they've been worried about like an outbreak amongst themselves. But now it's a whole nother issue of potential problems. And I realize not everyone agrees with me, but I'm glad that baseball is happening. Uh, I wish baseball was operating in more of a bubble like the other sports because I think they have the means and I think it would help slow spread. But I also understand and can empathize with the reasons they're not doing that. You know, the, the question that I haven't heard answered completely is what would require a shutdown? Uh, if baseball listens to the same epidemiologist that I am, you know, even four positive results at once on the same team, like that can be an outbreak and that can necessitate a pause. I have a feeling that baseball's epidemiologists probably have a different view, right? But uh, either way, like this is like you're sort of balancing one stick on another while walking across hot coals or something. Like I'm I'm hopeful that we can see a full, you know, shortened but full season. And, you know, this may be the optimist in me, but I think they have a really good chance. I really do. I I think they're doing everything that they can other than the bubble. They're testing regularly. They're being diligent about distancing, all that stuff. But you know, look, at the end, like the cruel truth is that 
even if this is 70%, like 70% free throw shooters miss 30% of the time, right? And a shutdown would just be brutal uh, for the sports future, our general current morale, all of it. So I'm hoping, man. Okay, let's talk some football now with Mike. Hello, Sam. This is Mike King. You asked me to leave a message on your recorder here. So uh, please address how the NFL coaches are supposed to make decisions on who gets cut from the team without having the same previous time to evaluate the players. What happens to the player on the bubble that makes the team because of excellent preseason play? Will teams be given more players on the roster at the beginning of the regular season if there are no preseason games and then have to cut down to a certain number by the end of the four games of the regular season? Thank you very much for uh, taking these questions, and I'm looking forward to the answers. Bye. Uh, Those things you mentioned are a real problem, and it's easy sometimes, um, easy a lot of times, right, uh, to complain about the four preseason games, but those are critical opportunities for guys on that bubble. Uh, You know, rosters and then eventually careers are made by guys who begin training camp on the outside of that bubble. Uh, Coaches film every practice, every game. They make evaluations every snap, Uh, and there can be no question that those evaluations won't be as thorough or is sharp this season, and it's just rotten luck, right, for the players affected. I've heard agents talk about the difficulty of even getting guys to that bubble, actually. Like, teams aren't offering contracts like they have in the past. I've not heard talk of carrying extra roster spots into the early part of the season. That would make some sense, though, right? Like, baseball's doing that. You get a 30-man active roster this week, then you need to cut to 28 and eventually 26. It would make sense for the NFL to do something similar, but I have not heard that discussed. Uh, they expanded the uh, practice squad rosters, and I believe that was, you know, those talks began even before COVID, but the, the active roster is going to stick at 53. So, look, like, coaches are going to have to do the best they can, and they're going to have to do it with the information they have. Like, guys are going to fall through some cracks. You know, the best teams will make those cracks as small as possible. And, you know, then they'll use whatever information they have to correct the mistakes of others. But, you know, we can't really know exactly how, but it's probably true that every NFL roster will be at least a little different now than it would have been with a full preseason. My guess is that coaches, particularly those, you know, that don't have a ton of job security or that don't have like the sort of deep roster that allow for in-season development. My guess is that those coaches, they're going to lean toward experience and familiarity. But I guess we'll see. Um, but okay, so here's Paul with uh, that question we mentioned in the beginning. This is something that had been on the minds of a lot of Chiefs fans this offseason. Hi, Sam. This is Paul from Westlaco, Texas, part of the Rio Grande Valley. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Sorry, I'm 65, and I've always wanted to say that phrase. My question is in regards to Charverius Ward. You wrote an in-depth article on him a few months back. You mentioned his challenges with depth perception and discussed his need for eye surgery, possibly LASIK, but I'm not sure. I was wondering if he had the chance to correct this during the offseason, especially with the craziness caused by the pandemic. Thanks, and I always enjoy reading and listening to your work. You might remember a column I did with Traverius where he mentioned his awful eyesight. It's it's really an amazing thing. Um, you know, a guy playing as well as he did last year without, you know, basically being able to see the ball. Uh, well, I've got an answer for you on this, and it's from the source himself. You'll hear it after a quick break.
Okay, uh, thanks for staying with us. I really do hope you're enjoying the show. We have one of my favorite bonus segments we've done this week, a conversation with Chiefs cornerback Charvarius Ward that's been lightly edited for brevity. Um, I really like Charvarius from the beginning, both as a player and a man. It seems like every time I talk to him, he tells me something more incredible than the time before. You know, like he spent a chunk of his childhood in a wheelchair. Um, he went stretches without hot water, or, you know, sharing a small house with more than a dozen people. He had to repeat kindergarten because teachers thought he had a learning disability. It turned out all he needed was glasses. Um, you know, that, that last part is a subject of this conversation. Ward mentioned late last season, uh, I think it was during the playoffs actually, that his eyes were so bad he struggled to see the football. And look, I have to say, when you hear that, um, it puts his play in a different light, right? Like, because his coverage was usually pretty damn good. You know, he's in position. He rated incredibly high in some statistics like, you know, passer rating against, completion percentage allowed, yards allowed per coverage snap. He was great in those ways statistically, but he also played a full season in a passing league and only had two interceptions. Um, that's a huge place for improvement. Um, Charveris has been open about that too, but you can't help but wonder, right? Like, is what he needed to make those plays, to make those interceptions, just improved vision? You know, we talked about that. We also touched on his work this offseason, you know, how he feels about the testing protocols, coming back to work within, you know, the context of the coronavirus and more. We're going to play just one extended clip here to give you a little context about the conversation. He called when I was in the car um, and I couldn't pull over immediately. So at some point you're going to hear my car beep at me because I'm low on gas. Anyway, okay, here it is. Hope you enjoy. So, uh, yeah, you got you. <laughs> he said you can see again. <laughs> yeah, I finally can see first time being able to really see real good. When but, um, did you do that? When when did you have the procedure? The latest, I think it was March the tenth, like oh, a month after the Super Bowl. Okay. Mm -hmm. Man, you, you got in just just in time before that kind of thing probably got shut down. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was perfect time for me. I I've been wanting to get it done my whole life, but you know I never really had the the money or the resource resources mm -hmm. to get it done. Uh -huh. like once, once we won the Super Bowl, I mean, people, I guess there was some people out there that knew I couldn't really see well, and they just started offering it, offering me to um, tell the laces for free. And oh, really? So I, yeah, I, it, I, I got it done for free in Indianapolis. Yeah, um, Indianapolis Eye Consultants out there. So, I mean, it was a good procedure. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how, how it turned out. I've had some friends that have had that. And, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe this is old information, but you're kind of blurry for a little bit and then how long did it take for for you to tell a difference um well actually it took me um it took me a couple of probably almost a month to get my vision back right because they were telling me i had one of the the worst worst visions possible to get the surgery because i mean i was foresighted and nearsighted at the same time oh, so they had to, you know they had to they had to make me more near, nearsighted during the surgery and my my eyes had to correct had to correct to back to 2020 from being new. It was, it's, it's a real complicated. I can't really explain it, but like, it, it, it took a long time for me to, um, to be able to see. You were farsighted and nearsighted? Yeah, I couldn't see a thing, man. Like, <laughs> I couldn't see nothing. Like, if I didn't have my glasses on or my contacts, like, my eyes are, my eyes, they eventually, like, cross up. Like, I'd get cross-sided or I had to squint, like, real, real bad to see or I had, I had to just close my eyes and lay down because I'd get a headache if I didn't have my glasses contact in because I just couldn't my eyes couldn't really focus at all but and, when you first get the surgery though like the day after the day of I mean it's like it's real painful because you can't open your eyes at all 
you can't every time you every time you try to open your eyes, it feel like your eyes feel like they really stitch together. Your eyelids be so heavy from the medicine that they give you and stuff yeah. like that. So they, they they I think they give you the medicine on purpose so you don't try to open your eyes. But like you you want to open your eyes because you want to be able to see. So I mean it's kind of scary and painful at the same time because yeah. I mean yeah. you just you can't open your eyes. Cause I could I had some breakfast like breakfast in bed later on that night. And I, I had to like use my hand to eat. I couldn't open eyes, open my eyes to see what I was eating. Jeez. So I mean, it was it was a crazy process, but I mean, it turned out real for me. Yeah, dude, I I know I must be the thousandth person to say this, but like you're talking about how you can't really see, and you're playing cornerback. Um, right. I mean, how the hell did that happen? How did you? <laughs> I mean, I know glasses can help a little bit, but right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I got some. God bless me with some natural, natural talent, natural abilities. I mean, I can see, I can see a human body, you know, that's right in front of me. But once that ball get in there, I mean, who knows, who knows what's gonna happen? Like when that ball in there, like, I mean, I can see it when it first get in the air, but once it start traveling, I just like lose, I lose track of it, and I just had to pray. I mean, I put my hands in the right spot or whatever, and I just had to pray the ball come back in my line of sight before it get down to me so I can catch it. I mean, but now I can see the, I've been catching, I've been on some balls just now. And um, I can see, I can see way better. Like I think it's gonna, it's gonna hurt me tremendously. To be honest, like I don't yeah. have to, I don't have to wear contacts while I don't want to watch the TV no more. I mean, I can drive at night now. I can see at night. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely helpful. Yeah, I mean, the the first time you told me about this that you needed the surgery, it just caught me off guard so much. I didn't know what to think, but I started thinking about it later. And um, I guess there's no way to know for sure. But was that the problem on that ball? against the Ravens, that sort of desperation ball uh, up in the air? I mean, a little bit. I mean, I thought about it a little bit. I mean, honestly, yeah. it, I, I'm not going to blame that on that. I just, I didn't, I didn't know anybody was around me, so I wasn't just let the ball come down, come. Okay. Instead of jumping up to get it. But, I mean, no, nah, I'm not going to blame that play on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay. I just, just attacked the ball on that play. Yeah. Okay. I respect that. I mean, how, how do you feel like um, that this is going to, change how you can play or what, what kind of difference do you expect this to make this season uh well the latest, i feel like it, it can make me more of a playmaker um i can make more plays on the ball and just squatting the ball down i mean yeah squatting the ball down knocking the ball down i mean this year i'm trying to i'm trying to intercept everything i'm not yeah. gonna be scared to, i'm not gonna be scared to turn my head around because uh, i know now i can be able to see the ball and just stay in, um stay in contact with the receiver at the same time so i mean i feel like it'll just make me uh a, a way better playmaker, which for sure, we, which is what we need in the secondary is turnovers. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, well, cool. So um, you, you're going to be in town in Kansas City this week. Are you are you good with sort of all the the health protocols and testing and all that? I know that's a big issue this week. Are you good with with where everybody is on that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be. Yeah, I, I know. I know what's going on. Mostly, I know what's going on. I mean. I'm not really scared of COVID. I'm not really scared of COVID, but I understand some people feel with it. So, I mean, I'm always wear my mask. I'm always wear my mask and try to follow all the guidelines that they're giving us because I know it, I know it's serious dealing with older people and children and people with um, respiratory problems. So, I mean, I'm going to respect, respect people's space. Yeah. And, and I mean, you've got, are you going to have your, um, here's your grandma that was living with you last year, right? No, she wasn't living with me. She 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 came to every home game. She came to visit, okay. Yeah, she came to visit a lot. And and my little brother, my little one of my little brothers, he got a lot of health issues too. So I mean, I'm definitely uh-huh. gonna 
I'm definitely gonna try to keep myself healthy because I know they try to come around and visit. Yeah. So I'm praying. I'm praying that they don't get it. I'm praying. I'm praying it just end real soon. Sure. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we can find a cure. But yeah. it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a different type of season. I feel like. Um, I just hope like um once the season start, the players just like be be smart and and not out really not out there jeopardizing everybody else in the NFL because you know in the NFL if one person on the team get it it's like it can spread so fast with so many players and coaches and staff dealing with the NFL teams I feel like if somebody get it they can set the league down like real quick just so how fast it can spread to everybody else so I, mean, I just hope I hope that the players are smart and protect themselves. So they don't hurt everybody else at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, like, it's a weird thing to say, but, like, assuming there's a season, right, assuming that, that everything goes off the way that, that we all hope, you got to be pretty pumped. Like, what, what is this like walking in? I mean, a year ago, you didn't know if you were going to start. You know right. I mean? Like, you, you didn't know if you'd make the team in training camp right. at one point. I mean, uh, and now you're secure as a starting cornerback for Super Bowl champs. I mean, what? <laughs> that's got to be a hell of a feeling. Yeah, it's 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 a great feeling, man. I just hope I just hope the fans can, fans will be able to um come come and enjoy the season. I hope it can be somewhat of a regular season, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like with the folk with COVID, like it's kinda killing the vibe on everything, but I just hope it it can be like a regular normal season. I mean I know the yeah. fans are not gonna be able to be there full time, but I hope some people can be there and stay and cheering us home. But me personally, I've been grinding like I've been working. I've been working real hard. I just want to take the next step, the next evolution in my game, and become one of the top corners in the game. I feel like I want to. I'm up there right now. I'm just kind of underrated. Don't too many people know my name, but I just want to. I just want to get my name on the TV screen and people and people know my name. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I just, I just want to. I just want people to notarize me and what I and, and what I can do. I yeah. know I got. A lot, I know I got a lot of talent. And I'm just. I, I just got to show people. I got to be color consistent every play. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's, it's not lost on me, by the way, and I'm sure it's not lost on you, obviously, but, uh, you know, I remember last year when we talked, and it's like, what can you improve upon? And you were always saying, like, playmaking, like, make plays on the ball. Yeah. And now <laughs> you took a hell of a step, right, right um, yeah. getting that surgery. Uh, so you got to feel like you're you're pretty well poised to do all that. Yeah, I will. Um, it's my, I feel like i I, I got to be one of the leaders in the secondary because, I mean, we 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 might have got younger in the secondary. I mean, we lost Kendall Fuller, Jordan Lucas, two veterans, and we didn't replace them with um with any like long time veterans. We we replaced them with rookies or or younger guys. So I just, I definitely got to step up like in the in the locker room. My communication skills. I got to be more of a leader this se- this season. And with what comes with being a leader, a lot, a lot of hard work, leading the team, making plays, leading by example, not just talking. So I mean, I, I gotta. I have no other source but to step my game up this season because I'm yeah. the one, to, one of the top dogs. At least, at least cornerback one to until Basad really get back. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, look, man, I appreciate. It. I look forward to seeing you out there. Yes, sir. Yeah, I see you real soon. Okay. All right. Travel safe. Yes, sir. I will. All right, guys, uh, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, Big thanks, as always, to Randy Mason and Savannah Smith for putting this together and to you for listening and giving us your time. Uh, Big thanks to Charverius Ward, too, for the conversation. Uh, I'm actually gone next week, spending some time with some family, so uh, I'll be back with another episode the week after. Be safe, everybody.